HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey there, HRN listeners. This is Harry Rosenblum, host of Feast Your Ears. I know that news about COVID-19 and the coronavirus has made a lot of people nervous about getting sick. This collective unease has already had a big impact on our restaurant and food communities, especially in New York's Chinatowns. We hope that now more than ever, our listeners will join us in supporting restaurants and the hospitality industry at large. Many of the restaurants we love are small, independent businesses. That means that even one or two bad weeks can put them in jeopardy of cutting staff, limiting hours, or even having to close for good. As long as we're still able, we should go out to eat and support our favorite restaurants. I think it's also great to remember that hospitality professionals are really good at hygiene and food safety practices. Long before there were guides all over the news about how to properly wash your hands, they were already experts at hygiene. Guests' health is tantamount to successful hospitality in any restaurant. And even if you don't want to go out, you can still support restaurants by ordering delivery, buying gift cards, and giving them some extra love on social media. What better way to handle a crisis than by supporting those in our own community? If we don't support them now, they might not be there when this crisis is over. Join HRN in supporting restaurants during this time, especially our friends in Chinatowns around the country. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. Learn about the wonderfully tart Montmorency cherry at choosecherries.com. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. If you're just tuning in for the first time, all the previous episodes of Feast Your Ears can be found in the archives at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm thankful for listeners like you, and I'd love it if you'd leave me a review wherever you find this podcast. Today's theme, when disaster strikes. When disaster strikes, people still need to eat. The restaurant industry is full of people who love to help people eat and feed them. They are also often able to figure out how to make do or change their plans when ingredients aren't available or someone calls out sick or there's no electricity. For many chefs, cooking and feeding people is so baked into their lives that they need to do it no matter what. Early on the morning of March 3rd, an EF3 tornado ripped through East Nashville, destroying homes and businesses and killing 24 people. I got on the phone with Brian Lee Weaver on March 12th to see how things were going with the recovery. He's the chef of two restaurants in the neighborhood, Butcher and Bee and Redheaded Stranger. Both sustained some damage, but were very lucky. They were able to open back up about a week later to help feed and help their community. 
On the heels of the tornado, we are now dealing with measures to stop the spread of COVID-19 across this country and across the world. It's going to have a huge effect on everything from schools to restaurants to public transit and our entire way of life. As we continue to respond to this swiftly evolving crisis, restaurants are still on the front lines as people need to eat. We don't need to go out and sit next to each other, although we like to, but we do need to eat every day. Well, can you uh, start off by introducing yourself and tell me what you do? Yeah. Uh, so uh, my name is Brian Lee Weaver. I am uh, executive chef and partner at Butcher and Bee in Nashville and uh, Redheaded Stranger. Um, uh, Butcher and Bee is a kind of Middle Eastern inspired small place restaurant, and Redheaded Stranger is a uh, sort of a breakfast taco, Tex Mex, Tex Mex uh, inspired taco shop. Uh, cool. So they're uh, a little different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, when I got hired um, at the B, uh, I had very little experience with, um, m- you know, Middle Eastern or Israeli ingredients, and so I sort of had to learn that. And um, Redhead Stranger is a little bit more of a of a passion project for me. Cool, awesome. And then, so Butcher and B, we'll start there. Um, has a location in Nashville, but also a location in Charleston. Um, mm-hmm. where I just was. Unfortunately, I did not go to the after party at Butcher and Bee. It looked like it was going to be a lot of fun. But after like four days of heavy eating and drinking, the idea of going yeah. to the after party started at 11, but it was daylight saving. So it was really midnight. I just couldn't pull it yeah. off. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I was supposed to work that. Um, and uh, yeah, I totally forgot it was daylight saving, so that made it even worse. I actually, we did the same thing a couple of years ago, and uh, I don't think I slept at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, yeah, we we started in Charleston. Um, I was never, I never lived in Charleston. I wasn't affiliated. I happened to meet uh, Michael Shentov, who's my business partner here. Um, he owns the B in Charleston. Um, I kind of met him serendipitously, like. I had a server at the restaurant I was working at in Venice who knew him and said we should talk and um, we did and kind of one thing led to another um, he, he ended up coming to LA and eating at my restaurant and um, really liked what I was doing and uh, my wife was really unhappy in Los Angeles and um, I was just like hey what do you think about Nashville she's like yeah let's go for it so I mean it, was, it happened in like a matter of a couple of weeks that we decided to move here so wow. It's kind of crazy, but, uh, but I, I love, I mean, I love Nashville. I, I, I'm really happy we made that decision, you know? And then how did it come about that you ended up, uh, partnering, uh, you know, to basically create not exactly the same restaurant? I mean, the restaurants have the same name. Um, you yeah. know, looking at the menus, there's a lot of similarities, but there are also differences. And obviously, you know, you're probably influencing the menu in Nashville because you're the chef there. Um, you know, but it's not like a Waffle House, right? Where like you go to every Waffle House and the menu's the same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think Michael definitely wanted uh, to give me a chance to to cook a little and uh, and sort of make my imprint on what we were doing here. And really, I mean, he started as a sandwich shop there, and he was looking to sort of kind of flip the scripts, so to speak, mm-hmm. and wanted us to really focus on dinner. Um, and just sort of make what I was doing shine. And I think, you know, we, we did that really well. And, 
and we've become kind of a, a really nice spot to go to at night in Nashville and we've almost made it uh, like uh, it's just different at lunch like now it's like we're supposed to be a sandwich shop but because <laughs> we have that reputation that it's, right. it's just a little different now so uh, and and because we did that um, I think they've tried to do that in Charleston too and but really we wanted um, each place to have its own identity and whoever was, was running the show kind of still got to do what they wanted to do, you know, within certain parameters of, you know, we want to support our local farms and sort of have an Israeli inspired menu and kind of have some parameters, but, but not necessarily like cookie cutter dishes at both places. Sure. Right. So, you know, I imagine that the, the experience, right. Is meant to be sort of the same, um, but the dishes Mm -hmm. are a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think we, we definitely, pride ourselves on our hospitality and have a welcoming, you know, place to come eat and, and you sort of know what you're going to get when you come to both places. Um, but just the food's going to be a little different. Uh, and we do have, uh, you know, we do have some crossovers like the whip at a, at both places. I mean, that's kind of like our signature thing at this point. Um, so we do try to sort of intertwine them a little bit, but, um, we'd like them to feel like they can stand on their own too. Do you send staff back and forth at all to like experience how each one is run? Cause they're the staff at a butcher and B in one city or the other. Yeah, for sure. Uh, more management. Sure. Um, like I used to go back and forth all the time. Yeah. Um, uh, our G our GM in Nashville was just there. Um, uh, our director of ops lives in Charleston. She comes back and forth. We try to sort of make sure everybody knows what the vibe is at, at both places, you know, like, I mean, they're different just in how they're lit like how they feel you sure. know so it's it's good to see both places and, and we try as much as we can to to um show both properties that you know um and then so how did redheaded stranger come about because that's very different i mean that's you know you're going from like <laughs> yeah. israeli to tacos yeah i mean um I, i'm sure if you ask michael um he never intended to open a taco shop uh <laughs> that was that was all me uh I so I was born in Texas. Uh we moved to Colorado uh when I was younger and um s- traveled to New Mexico all the time just to sort of southwest vibe is what I always really liked and then um uh, when I was in my 20s I moved up to Portland, Oregon and uh I couldn't get any of the food that I missed, you know. Sure. Um and I didn't even know that I missed it. Like <laughs> I just I was like why can't I get a burrito or why can't I get green chili here or whatever it was. Well, as and, you're, uh, as you're describing this, I'm looking at the menu and it's like, I feel like as you mentioned each place, like you said, Texas and I, my eyes hit Dr. Pepper hot sauce. And yeah. Yeah. You said New Mexico and I hit red hatch chilies. Uh, mm-hmm. so sort of like tracing, you know, your menu through your, you know, where you lived. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was very intentional with what we're doing at stranger. Like I, I, I mean, I hope as we keep, growing we're gonna like expand the menu and try to do more fun stuff but like definitely there's some very specific things that i want to have on the menu and we'll never leave and and honestly those are the things that like i couldn't get in portland or whatever and even when i moved to after portland i moved to la and la is amazing like there's so much food there like so much amazing mexican food and like you know the some of the best tacos that you'll ever have in your life but it wasn't it wasn't the same type of stuff that you would get in in like the Southwest in like New Mexico or whatever. Sure. So, um, you know, uh, there, there, there was a 
place in LA called home state that, that opened up. Um, and when I went there, I was like, man, they, they, they like ripped off my brain, you know, like they, they do it, what I do it. Uh, but when I went there, they were sort of inspiring to me. That was sort of like starting to plant the seed of like, maybe I can do this. And, um, definitely when I moved to Nashville, nothing like that was here. And I was like, this is like a perfect, uh, this is a perfect place to, to try to do that. And nobody was doing breakfast tacos. Nobody's making flour tortillas by hand here that I know of other than like a couple of chain restaurants. So like, uh, and and you can get you know you can get corn tortillas all that stuff but it's just a little different and I think the vibe that we have you know it feels really great in the restaurant and I'm really I'm really proud of what we've done there. Uh, it looks great. I mean, I'm looking at your Instagram right now. It's redheaded stranger uh, with no uh, vowels in it. Uh, in stranger. Yeah. In stranger. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, it, it looks it looks fantastic. I hope uh, I hope to visit someday. So let's talk about. Uh, I guess you know, there's kind of you know one of the pieces of like big intense things that's happened uh, in the world, or at least in your world recently. So uh, last week, there was a huge tornado that went through East yeah. Nashville, and that's right where you guys have your restaurants, right? Yeah, for, uh, definitely. Uh, so. Both of my restaurants are in East, East Nashville. Um, my home's in East Nashville. Like I, I've just like been adopted by that part of town, and like I love it here. Um, you know, it's sort of um, it's on the other side of the river from like Broadway and all that. Like it's just sort of a lot of musicians live over here, and and it definitely has kind of a, a vibe, and I really I really like it. Um, but yeah, uh, the tornadoes were really scary i've never i mean i grew up in texas like tornadoes went through our neighborhood um but i've never been personally in the middle of one and um you know my my wife works at rolf and daughters which is another restaurant in town um over in germantown um and her neighborhood i mean their neighborhood got hit too and she was at work maybe you know a half hour before it happened um she got home and i was asleep and she was like She's like, uh, I'm really scared. Like the weather's really bad. And, um, the sirens that started going off, uh, the tornado sirens. And I was just like, they go off all the time. So I right. kinda, I was like, whatever. Um, I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> I, th- I thought about the sirens because, you know, it was in the middle of the night. And so I yeah, wondered if yeah. people even, you know, heard them go off cause they were asleep. Yeah. I was more concerned and she was more concerned by the alert we got on our phone, sure. uh, like our iPhone which was, you know, maybe minutes before it happened, but, but really like the sirens go off all the time. So I, we, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And I was like, let's go to sleep. We'll, we'll be fine. Like the dog was freaking out, but I was like, we'll be fine. And then, um, yeah, maybe 20 minutes later, like I didn't hear that much at my house, but, uh, my phone started blowing up and, uh, somebody texted me a picture of the basement East, which is a concert venue, like right behind butcher and beef. And it was just destroyed. So yeah. I was like, Oh man, I don't have a, I don't have a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> so like I jumped in my car, I went down there and it was like, uh, it was like a bad movie, man. Like, um, I, uh, I tried to go around this cop who was like, didn't want me to go around. And I was like, no, I'm just trying to check on my place. Like that ended up okay. She let me go. She's like, just go slow. So I had to park like a half mile away and walk down. Jeez. And there was just like, 
power lines down everywhere. There were cars overturning in the street. There were trees in the road. Like it was just nothing I've ever seen. And then um, I got to the restaurant and we literally had two broken windows and that's it. Uh, it's like it just it jumped over us or just took a weird turn and like entirely missed Butcher and B. But um, everyone around us was like decimated. So um yeah, I saw. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I've been looking at pictures of other other folks I know over there, like Cutelli or Nola. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, they got lucky too. Their, you know, their roof got torn off their spot, but their building didn't get decimated. But like the building next door was flattened. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, uh, I'm friends with Cutelli, and you know, they. I like when I looked at it, I was like, oh man, they're it's bad, but it was just the roof. But yeah. um, one of their employees lost their home and their catering truck and stuff you know but like literally right next door to them is high garden tea which we use at the b and like their building's completely gone right uh, just across the street from the b is uh smith and lynn's brewery um that we're friends with and like they can't go in their building because it got so messed up you know oh, wow i had I, I stopped in there for a beer like you know, less than a year ago <laughs> Yeah, they're they're awesome, and uh, I mean we've been friends with them since they opened, and I don't know, just to see that destruction is crazy, and um, just the fact that we had two broken windows is like, I mean we're so lucky, but so yeah, I mean know, I, I saw that like you guys are open this week. I imagine there's not much else open in the neighborhood. How's that? You know how how's the neighborhood now that we're you know like eight days, nine days later? Yeah, I mean just the how everybody came together and, and supported each other was pretty amazing. Um, you know, like there were just people in the street helping volunteering like immediately, um, which is cool. We, you know, I, I personally felt a little weird about trying to open right back up when so many people around us are hurting, but right. at the same time, it's like, we want to at least provide a place for people to come feel like they're human beings again you know yeah. so um i mean we didn't have power until uh monday afternoon and um you know basically we bought a bunch of pizza and beer and told everybody to come help us clean and, and we're able to get open uh the next night and um you know like we're just doing what we can we're a uh, pretty limited menu but i think starting tomorrow which is friday we'll more or less be back to normal hours and try to like feel like a real restaurant again you know i mean i think you know i think uh that that's i think it's important i think it's important like you say for people to feel like there is some amount of like normalcy so that you know both to have it be a thing where people can come back to the neighborhood uh who maybe were mm. avoiding it or people who live in the neighborhood or are cleaning up their own spaces i mean you know since you guys were so lucky I imagine that there are so many people who are just spending, you know, 18, 19, 20 hours a day just working to continue to clean up, to fix, to, you know, get their spaces back in order. But, you know, I imagine that means there's a lot of kitchens that are empty and a lot of people that are hungry. For sure. And, you know, I hope I've tried to kind of spread the word that, like, the best thing you could do is to come support us and support our staff, you know, Uh <laughs> Like they were out of work for a week and, yep. you know, most people in our industry, you know, they work check to check and, you know, we, we do what we, 
we do what we can. We we raise money for um, a few different things and um, did a couple of events at Red Headed Stranger just to try to support it. But at, at some point, we just had to try to like help our, help our our family that works for us and, and keep going. You know, so. for sure. This episode is brought to you by the Michigan Cherry Committee. A cherry isn't just a cherry. When it comes to tart cherries, the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry variety is the cherry with more. They're available year-round, dried, frozen, canned, juice, and concentrate. U.S. Montmorency tart cherries are also one of America's superfruit, which means they're good for you. Tart cherries contain many antioxidants and beneficial phytonutrients, including anthocyanins, the pigments that give tart cherries their bright red color. And don't forget about flavor. U.S. Montmorency's unique sour-sweet profile make them an excellent addition to yogurt, oatmeal, salads, trail mix, and of course, a classic cherry pie. Learn more about the wonderfully U.S.-grown Montmorency tart cherry at choosecherries.com. And I saw you guys just posted on one of the Instagram accounts, um, you know, that you're not, you're not trying to poach staff from other places, but knowing that a lot of people in the industry uh, are probably still out of work if other restaurants are still in the process of rebuilding, that you might have some space for people on your staff and you might need some people. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm hoping, you know, I can help people find jobs. I mean, there's, there's just like a line cook shortage in general. It, pretty much constantly in this town. So, you know, I'm sure there's jobs for them, but I know there's a lot of front of house people that have been displaced. And, um, we're, you know, at stranger, we also, we're not, we're only open Friday, Saturday night. So we have, uh, we have that space in the evening that I've been trying to, to think of creative ways that we can get that open and maybe help people. So nothing, has totally come together yet, but, um, I think we have an opportunity maybe to, to work that out you know our um our friends right down the alley from us is attaboy which is a bar and um you know they're they're really awesome people and uh you know they they're only open at night so maybe we can have like a guest guest bartender over there like we have attaboy pop up at redhead stranger or something like that right. i haven't totally figured out how to do it but you know i'm i'm like open to any kind of any kind of talks about how we do that and try to help people. I mean, just the overall, like just seeing how the hospitality, I mean, I feel like this affected the hospitality community in a special way and seeing everybody come together has been pretty crazy, pretty awesome to see. That's great. I mean, it's, it's great to hear that the community is really, uh, is, is tight. Maybe if it didn't, you know, you didn't realize it before, <laughs> but now you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I did realize it before. Like I, I, I specifically, said like when I like the first few weeks I was here we did a guest chef dinner and one of the chefs like pulled me aside and gave me a list of like every farm he uses and like there's never been any kind of like competition thing here it's been just like people supporting each other and like um trying to help each other out and you know I I don't know it's only like reaffirmed that you know that's great really is so of course this is all coming you know now i mean it sort of was in the midst of uh 
what I think is another, for lack of a better way to put it, a crisis in the restaurant industry. Um, and I don't know if you're feeling that as much because the tornado is so present, but certainly uh, in New York and in Charleston, you know, at the Food and Wine Fest, a lot of the discussions I had with chefs was about what's going to happen with coronavirus and whether or not people are going to stop going out for dinner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's like, it sucks that it's back to back, obviously. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, I literally just got off a phone call before I talked to you with uh, my business partner and our, most of our staff in Charleston and just trying to figure out best practices that we can do and, and kind of how we're, we can confront this before it gets worse. Uh, you know, I don't really know. I mean, maybe like like delivery options are the way to go. I, sure. I really don't know. But yeah, yeah, I think for the time being, like just assuring everybody that we're a safe, you know, we, we everybody washes their hands right. and we're sanitary and all that stuff. But um, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's so uncertain right now. I mean, they uh, just canceled all the, colleges for the next few weeks in yep. Nashville and all that and you know the NBA season and then I mean it's just like starting to rack up and it's so uncertain um, and hopefully we've at least built a, enough and a culture to like pull through it but it's definitely uh crazy times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, we, uh, one of the things that kept coming up in discussion with chefs in Charleston was the idea that, you know, encouraging, uh, people, uh, and, you know, I certainly have been trying to, to, if you aren't comfortable going out to eat in a restaurant, at least get takeout, um, mm -hmm. you know, order delivery, um, you know, because if you don't, in many cases, especially small restaurants, and it's already happening in New York. I mean, there are a number of, you know, it's a couple of very famous Chinese dim sum restaurants that have now closed. And it's yeah. unclear whether that's just temporary or whether they're out of business forever. And, you know, and these are places yeah. that on a Sunday morning would have an hour, hour and a half wait for a table. And the last three, four weeks, there have been empty seats. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's scary to see. And like, I mean, we aren't on the coast, obviously, in Nashville, so I think it's, like, starting to trickle in a little more here. Um, and, I, you know, I hope we weren't too slow to respond, but um, and it's, it's tough, too, just being two different restaurants. Like, Red Eyed Stranger is easy. Like, we can deliver whatever. Like, we just wrap those tacos up, and that's fine, but Butcher and Bee is a little different. Like, we try to, you know, like, we it's a it's a shared plate restaurant. Right. Like, we, we don't even, like, we send out stacks of pita that people are supposed to like rip apart and pass to your friend you know what i mean like we can't we yeah. can't do that anymore right. so uh it's just like we have to look at things a little different and and we will and yeah i hope that you know we'll pull through it it's a very it's a very interesting point about how it changes the service aspect um of the dining yeah um you know something that i have tried to continue to point out to people uh, is that, you know, before the news started covering how to properly wash your hands, it was pretty much chefs and doctors that knew how to wash their hands. So yeah, <laughs> I feel like, uh, in uh, fact, it's, you're probably, you know, you're, you're the safety in the restaurant is probably pretty good as it turns out. And also about not coming to work sick. I mean, people in the hospitality industry, you know, it's not like going to work at your desk when you have a fever and diarrhea. People in the, yeah. you know, in the restaurant industry know that like when you're sick, you can't go to work pretty much. 
Yeah, to- totally. I mean, we, I mean, we just had a staff meeting where, like, we, you know, we one of the quiz questions was how long do you wash your hands for, and you know, every single person that works for us knows that answer. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's definitely. I think I I feel like it. It would be easy to point fingers at like, oh, this is somewhere where we can, you know, like not. This is something we can just stay home and not support. But the people who are doing it right, you know, that we know we know what we're doing and we're safe about it. And whereas, whereas, you know, as safe as we can. And I, I think hopefully people see that the best way to to like come back is just to support us and, and not be afraid, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that, you know, one of the things that as freaked out as people might be in the near term, we have to think about the long term. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to think about like, you know, if this goes on for a year or two, like what do we want our world to look like in two years? And so, yeah. you know, it, what, what I think, you know, I think there's... <laughs> There's hardly anybody who would say, oh, well, in two years, I don't want there to be any of these great restaurants that I love. So in order to make sure we can maintain that, and I, of course, you know, I mean, I want to be an optimist. We need to go out to eat. We need to support these places. Um, and, yeah. and, and we need to be smart about it. Obviously, you know, like I'm not advocating that people throw caution to the wind. And if you have a depressed immune system or if you're over 70, maybe you shouldn't go out, um, you know, but you could probably get delivery. And I don't think you're putting yourself in like great risk. Um, but I don't think yeah. that you should go to like a sporting event and shake hands with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's mostly just knowledge at this point and, and educate, educating people and just safe practices. And, um, you know, I know that's like glossing over it, but, um, you know, I think that at the bare minimum, that's, that's where we start, you know? Yeah. For sure. Um, so ha- let's uh, let's let's return to the restaurants for a second. Why is Redheaded Stranger? I mean, ha- why did you name a, a taco restaurant Redheaded Stranger? Uh, man, I so uh, Willie Nelson is one of my favorite musicians, and one of my favorite albums is called Redheaded Stranger. Yep. Um, so that was sort of the start and when I started to research the album a little more uh, he was he used to be a DJ in Fort Worth um, and that's where I was born and uh, so that was kind of cool and he used to play a song called Redhead Stranger uh, which was by another artist um, but all those little details aside I just like I really love the name I thought it was a cool cool name and uh, I didn't know if I could legally use it just because I figured it was trademarked or whatever, you know, I, sure. I don't know. Um, so when I, w- when we bought the real estate, I um, emailed his website just to be like, Hey, I want to do this restaurant. I want to call it this. What's up with that? And I figured I would never get a response, you know, but like um, literally like an hour later, his granddaughter wrote me back and was like, uh, I live in Nashville or I've lived in Austin for a long time and like I love the idea and use the name you know you don't have to worry about it and so I kind of got their blessing to use it and uh, you know I think I just think it's a really unique name and people remember it and, and they're excited to come there you know That's, Has Willie Nelson been in? Uh, man I, I, I want him to like I, 
I would like shut down the city uh, <laughs> once that day happens. But uh, but yeah, I I haven't seen him in yet. But uh, I'm really hoping he'll be able to. I know he's getting older, but sure. I know he's in town every now and then. Right. So, uh, yeah. That'd be awesome. I mean, yeah. may- maybe given maybe given the current fears, you can offer him delivery when he's in town. Uh, <laughs> at the very totally least, right. <laughs> I drive it to Austin or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, awesome. Um, so how did you get into food? Uh, you know, growing up, we talked about how you moved around a lot and how, you know, obviously some of those uh, place influences show up in your menus. But like, how did you get started uh, in food as a profession? Um, really, it was in high school. Uh, I got a job washing dishes um, and it was at a kind of a mom and pop little Mexican restaurant in uh, right outside of Boulder, Colorado called Senior Tees. Um, and I got really good at washing dishes. So they asked me if I wanted to cook and I said, yeah. And, um, I mean, that was the start of it. Uh, I worked there off and on for like 10 years. Um, I mean, literally in high school, like I would skip class to go to work. Uh, I don't think anybody knew that, but (laughs) you know, like I just really liked being in the restaurant and making food and, um, you know, you could like see out in the dining room and see that you were making people happy. There's something about that that I really liked. Um, but I never really took it all that seriously. Um, I just kind of thought it was a job. Uh, I was like playing music, playing in bands at the time. And I kind of thought that's how I was going to make things work for a while. And, um, turned out I wasn't that good at it, but, uh, <laughs> uh, ended up moving to Portland, Oregon, uh, to play music at the time and um that's when i kind of got into more fine dining and stuff um and just really liked that i liked the regimentation i liked kind of the discipline of it and learning about how to do things the right way i had a really good chef there uh, named sarah schaefer and she just like kind of taught me how to how to be a line cook really um and then that kind of led to me uh, taking a job in L.A. And, and then after that, that's when I met Michael. So that's uh, how I got to Nashville, I guess. <laughs> awesome. Um, what are some of your favorite places when you have a chance to go out and eat in Nashville? Oh, man. Uh, my wife and I find ourselves at City House all the time. Uh, Tandy, Tandy Wilson is just like one of the best dudes I've ever met. And uh, I just love the restaurant, and then the desserts there are just like so special. Uh, uh, Rebecca just like always has a cake on the menu, and they're just like I will order it no matter what it is. Uh, <laughs> nice. They just make me so happy, like every time we go. Um, so that's probably my favorite place. Um, and we end up at uh, right next to Red Eye Stranger is a place called Folk, um, and. Uh, I really like them a lot. Um, they have uh, pizza and kind of like small plate vegetable dishes, and you know they're just there's good people. It's really good. Uh, and where else? Um, I've been to Nashville twice, and uh, yeah. I have to say that I one of the, my best memories of Nashville was going to a bar called Springwater. Uh-huh. It's over by Centennial Park. I don't know that Park. one. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it is like super divey and has music in the back. 
Um, uh, but I, I came through there in 2002. My brother is a musician and he was on uh, a tour and I was doing projection art uh, to his music. And I, you know, we showed up there really early and like, you know, met the, the day bartender and she told us where to put our stuff and this and that and the other thing. And when we came back like two hours later, uh, we found out that she had been fired during the time that we had like left to like go get a bite to eat and go to a record shop. And then mm. by the end of my brother's set, she was back behind the bar. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I get how this place kind of works. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty fluid. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, when you came, did you ever go to a place called Arnold? I don't think so. I mean, that I was there that one night and that was in 2002. And then I think I was in Nashville maybe once before that for like a night or two or sometime around 2000. Yeah. So, I mean, Arnold is probably where I send anybody that comes to town, but it's, um, it's this dude, Khalil Arnold. I think he's, he's second generation or whatever. They've been there for like 60 years. His dad used to, his family used to run it and now he took over, but it's a meet and three. Um, they do like, you pick one meat and three sides yep. and they use like, they use all the same ingredients and in farms that I do at my place. And, um, it's just so delicious. It's just like super classic Southern cooking and like the nicest people that you'll ever meet. Like, you know, I feel like he, when I visited here four years before I ever moved here, like, I feel like he knew me from that the next time I came in, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just crazy how uh how good you feel when you go in there that's great well i have to come back now because i you know i gotta come to butcher and be and redheaded stranger and obviously gotta try arnold's yeah you come to my spots and then arnold's i mean i would like it's one of the best restaurants in the country like for sure nice that's great um awesome so i mean obviously the tornado uh and coronavirus are both sort of a big deal did you have any new things on the horizon that are still moving forward that are paused because of, because of this stuff happening or, uh, you know, any, any, any projects that have come up because of them? Well, um, definitely projects that have come up because of them. I mean, just trying to do some fundraisers and stuff here and there, however we can. Um, I think that'll probably be in the forefront of our mind for a while. Um, but at the same time, if, 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 uh, Nobody's coming out for coronavirus. Who knows if that's a good idea? But I mean, uh, you know, I, there's probably a disconnect from people who don't live in Nashville. You know, it's what what happened here probably isn't in the forefront of their mind. So sure. we may just do like a special T-shirt or something to just keep at the restaurant and and you know donate proceeds from that or something like that. Um, we have wanted. To expand the B, um, Butcher and B, so that has been on our horizon, and we hopefully will be able to continue to do that. But um, we're looking at putting in, expanding a little bit there, and putting in a private dining room. And I've I've always wanted to do like kind of a tasting menu restaurant, um, like three four times a week, and that was hopefully going to be a part of that. So that maybe is on hold a little bit, but it's it's still hopefully on the horizon, right. um, which would be pretty exciting. Um, and then I, I would like to expand Redhead Stranger, but only, um, I only want to do it if it makes sense. I don't necessarily want it to be some huge chain, but 
Um, I do think a, a couple other locations could do well in other cities, you know? Yep. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that, uh, such a intense thing as the tornadoes is getting overshadowed. I mean, I think it's important, you know, like just to bring up, I mean, 24 people died. <laughs> it's mm. not insignificant at all. Um, yeah. And I think you're yeah. right. I mean, I think, you know, that not just because we have this crazy, insane sped up news cycle, um, but just because everybody's like rushing out to buy toilet paper because they're worried that the you know sky is going to fall. Um, they forget yeah. that these things happened like, and it, you know, wasn't, it was just, you know, nine days ago. Yeah, I mean, it's only been, yeah, nine days. I mean, it feels like a month ago at this point. But yeah, I mean, I mean, people, people died. Our friends died, you know, I mean, uh, the, the two people, one of the guys that died was a bartender at a boy. And I mean, he's, he's a friend of ours and, Mm. you know, it's like, it's heartbreaking. So, um, it's tough to just, just be like, yeah, let's move on. And I know that coronavirus is obviously, on everybody's mind but um we're still kind of trying to figure everything out before that even you know yeah before worrying about that next yeah (laughs) yeah and i I mean and we're thinking about i mean we're thinking about both of course but it's, it's tough yeah well, thank you so much for taking time out of your, you know, obviously it's a busy time for you. I, I can't imagine you've gotten a lot of sleep in the past week. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk. Uh, and, you know, I obviously wish you guys uh, the best in, in Nashville um, and uh, hope to come visit soon. Yeah, thanks, Harry. Let me, let me know anytime you're in town. Like, we'd love to have you. Happy to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Feast Your Ears today. You can find more about brian and nashville at redheadedstrangertacos.com and butcherandbee.com that's b-u-t-c-h-e-r-a-n-d-b-e-e and you can follow on instagram at brian lee weaver at redheaded stranger s-t-r-n-g-r and at b and b nashville you can find feast your ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org on itunes spotify pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts Please reach out if you have any questions. You can find me on email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. You can follow me on Instagram, at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week, and wash your hands, and don't touch your face. Feast Your Ears is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.